In order to be a great entrepreneur, I think one of the things that you need the most is vision. When we look back on names like Carnegie and Rockefeller, Edison, these were men who were actually tech entrepreneurs for their time. Today, we'd look at them as, you know, old robber barons, but the reality is that they were taking advantage of expanding horizons in their era, and that's what made them so great for their time. How's it going? Welcome back to the Advancing Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Ark Pizarro, and today what I want to talk to you about is broadening your horizons and finding the next big thing. So what do I mean by broadening your horizons? Well, in regards to myself, what I'm continually trying to do is think outside the box, right? Trying to think in a way in which there actually is no box, not to sound like Neo from the Matrix or whatever. But my point is, is that you have to think in a way in which other people are not thinking or in a way in which very, very smart people are thinking. And so the only way that you can have a competitive advantage over your competitors and in your marketplace is by staying one step ahead, coming up with new ideas, understanding things a little bit faster so that you have that first mover advantage. First mover advantage basically means you take the first step out and you lead the way. Okay. And then eventually your competitors, they catch up to you. So now you have to innovate again and you have to have another first step out and lead the way. And then they catch up to you. And that's basically the way it works, right? Sometimes you're not the one with the first mover advantage. Sometimes you're the one following behind and catching up. And that's fine because we all have different goals for what it is that we're trying to achieve in our entrepreneurial journeys. But what I'm talking about here today is the fact that we are in a very interesting age, right? We're transferring time from the industrial era into the information era. And so we're going to be seeing a lot of extreme change over the course of the next 20 years or so. And that's both good and bad. And I won't get into all of that right now, but just understand if you don't understand it already, that our world is changing dramatically and that's going to continue for the next decade or so. And so because of that, and because it's mostly based around the pervasiveness of technology, the speed with which technology is advancing and how that technology is being integrated into our daily lives so fast we don't even hardly recognize it, we also have to, as entrepreneurs, evolve in that same way, right? So whereas before, we might have been happy just running a little business, a little mom and pop shop, a little brick and mortar, right? Or a little online store. If we don't keep ourselves on the cutting edge, we could find ourselves obsolete in a very short time. And what I mean by that is while you're thinking that your e-com shop is running well and it's been doing well for the past 10 years, what you don't realize is that there's a whole generation of teenagers who are now getting hip to the game and figuring out ways to do what you do bigger, better, faster. And so if you don't evolve, they're going to eat you up. Aside from the fact that we have all of this technology that is helping them, and because they're young and born into it, 
they understand it that much better than those of us who may not have been or who caught it in the middle or, you know, who just basically had to adapt to it as opposed to being born into it. And so we're seeing, you know, e-commerce events where people are making a billion dollars worth of sales in a day in China, you know, just a couple of years ago, that wouldn't have even been possible. Now it is. And now you have a bunch of companies who are striving to do the same thing and bigger and better, right? Because everyone wants to one up the next guy. And so I just wanted to share these thoughts um, and give an example of some of these things that I'm referring to when I say broaden your horizons. So for instance, if you're investing, right, a lot of people don't spend the time to educate themselves on what they're actually investing in. And so if you don't have a clear understanding of what it is that you're doing with your investments, it's just a question of time before you start to lose. We're living in a time when everything is going up. The stock market is, is performing like never before. The crypto markets are performing like never before. And right along with that, people are getting rich like never before. And so that's going to cause inflation like never before. Because the more money there is, the more people buy stuff, the higher the prices go. And then add to that the fact that we have this diminished amount of labor force in so many areas because people are like, I don't have to put up with this. I'm going to go do something different. And so you have all these factors that come together and they create situations, an environment like we haven't seen before. And so what I would say is if you're investing, you should start to be focused on really understanding what it is that you're investing in. Like diving deep on the things that are important to you, diving deep on the things that are going to help your business survive and are going to help your finances grow over time. That's hugely important. It's always been important, but I feel like today things are so volatile that it's more important than ever before. Back in the day, you could have money and you could depend on your money manager basically taking care of it for you. Generally speaking, I think that was like a good way to do things. They more or less would make it grow. You'd go into retirement pretty comfortable. Nowadays, you have to take the approach of, do you have as much money as I do? Do you know as much as I know about the markets, about investing? And can you beat my portfolio with yours? If your money manager can't say yes to all of those questions, you probably shouldn't have that person managing your money. You should probably be doing it for yourself. The funniest part is most money managers are not wealthy right? They're employees of a corporation whose executives are wealthy. And it's because they prey on retail investors to not know, to not have education, and then depend on the money managers and the company to do it for them. Whether or not that's good or bad, you know, that's up in the air. So what am I getting at? What I'm saying is the easiest way to go about that, because I know we're all, you know, um, restricted on time, is you have to invest in companies that you actually are a customer of. You have to be an owner in the companies that you spend money with. And going into the future, we're going to see more things like this. It's called user equity. And it's basically companies that consist of their customers. The customers are the owners. Today, that might sound foreign to you. In a couple of years, it's going to be a perfectly normal thing you've heard a thousand times. So the next thing I would say is imagine what things will be like a few years up the road in your industry, in your area, locally, 
Like you have to start thinking about the future because we're in a very volatile time. And so only the people who think this way and only the people who operate this way are going to be the ones who really win. And there's a lot of them, but I'm making this podcast today so that you can be one of them. Because there's also a lot of people that are just going to sit back and rest on their laurels, don't have any idea about these things that I'm talking about, and they'll miss the boat. And then they'll be like, well, why didn't anyone tell me? So I'm doing my part to try and tell you. So imagine what things will be like and search for solutions and companies that are working on these things, that are providing these solutions that today seem a little bit crazy, a little bit risky, but tomorrow they're going to be perfectly normal. They might be like our utilities and start investing in those or partnering with those, or maybe you need to become one of those, right? That's, in my opinion, the best way to do it because you should always have yourself in a position where you don't depend on others for your success, right? You can depend on your employees, you can depend on your family, things like that. But I mean, you don't depend on them in the sense that if they decide to completely pivot and change directions, you have no control. So you want to have a measure of control. And the greatest measure of control is when you are the owner of the company. So sometimes you have to build a company. So I want to share with you three things that I see on the horizon. And my track record is usually I'm three to five years out on the ideas that I have. And then that amount of time will pass and it, I start seeing it everywhere. Everybody starts doing it, right? And I won't go into examples now, but take my word for it. Like I've had a thousand ideas five years up the road. I've even launched companies with some of my ideas and they don't get traction because they're too early. And then later on, you see them come about somebody else doing it. And you're like, what? All they did was copy this idea I had five years ago. Well, that's the way it works, right? You have to be at the right place at the right time. So here are three things that I see on the horizon. Number one, and this is the one that I'm the most excited about. It's virtual real estate. So if you haven't been living under a rock, you've probably heard the term metaverse. And the metaverse is simply the next iteration of the internet. Okay. Some people call it web three. Some people call it the metaverse. When using the term, the metaverse, most people are relating more to gaming, you know, and a lot of it is crypto gaming. And that's basically where instead of you paying to play a game, you're going to play the game and get paid. And there's a ton of implications in regards to that. That can be a whole episode unto itself, but basically the metaverse is a thing. How do we know it's going to be a thing? Because you have companies like Facebook and Microsoft, I'm sure Google and all of the other huge tech companies are already planning their plan of attack on how they're going to do their version of the metaverse. You have Vitalik Buterin talking about the metaverse, right? He's the guy that created the cryptocurrency Ethereum, which is probably the most used cryptocurrency in the world right now. Even though you hear about Bitcoin all the time, it's a store of value. Ethereum is technology that things are built upon. So you have all these people talking about the metaverse and how it can improve the world and how it can democratize the world and how it will change so much of our day-to-day lives and our culture. And I do believe that, right? I believe it because it's connected to the blockchain. It's connected to crypto. And so crypto creates a lot of autonomy. I won't go beyond that. If you really want to understand that better, there's a good book out there called The Bitcoin Standard. It explains a lot of the concepts that I'm referring to. But basically, the metaverse is going to be a thing in your life that you use on a daily basis 
within five to 10 years. I would say the majority of the American population at the very least is going to be using the metaverse in some way or another within five to 10 years. That's a kind of a bold claim, but I bet you that's going to be the case. And why do I say that? Because there's a particular metaverse crypto called Decentraland, and their token is called Mana. And right now in that game, you can go to a Domino's kiosk and with your character, go to the kiosk, order a pizza, pay with some cryptocurrency, and then the pizza gets delivered to your front door in the real world. And so that is just an early sign of the convergence between this technological virtual world and our real world merging together. And so what that will allow us to do is instead of all being on Zoom calls when we're at work with our work from home jobs, we can all have our avatars in a room discussing and looking at each other and talking and doing work together in the same space, but virtually. I don't know whether these are the best examples I'm giving or not, but my point to you is this is a thing. And so within that thing, you have a whole world of people interacting in these virtual spaces. And so there's going to be a need for fashion and they've already done events. There's been events where tens of millions of people have shown up to watch a particular rap artist sing inside one of these games, right? You have a whole bunch of celebrities and a whole bunch of Fortune 500 companies buying up land in these virtual spaces. And just to give you two quick examples, I think it was last week in um, one of these cryptos, I can't recall if it was Sand or Decentraland. Those are like the two big competitors for metaverse projects right now. You had a yacht. So this is a virtual yacht. It's pixels, right? On a screen sold for $650,000. And then you had a piece of land, right? Virtual land doesn't exist in the real world, but it does exist in this game. And it sold for $2.3 million. And so what does that do when you have purchases of those sizes and you have people with that amount of money making these investments into these games? What it does is it legitimizes the idea. And so other people are going to come along and follow suit. Everyone wants to one up everyone. Soon you'll be having virtual mansions and virtual movie theaters and virtual everything that you can imagine. And so that's why I wanted to make this episode specifically was because I wanted to share with you the idea of virtual real estate. Here are the advantages of virtual real estate. Let's say you buy a plot of land in one of these games, right? And there's a ton of them already. So you have to really do your homework and figure out which one you want to invest in, right? This is an investment advice. This is just me talking about big ideas. And so if you have a piece of property and you put, let's say, an apartment building on one of these plots of land in the virtual world, and I know that sounds crazy, but going back like 20 years, people were doing this in a game called Second Life, and they were buying islands for like $50,000. Then they'd put a bunch of apartment buildings on the island in this game. And then people with their characters would rent the apartments in the game for their character for like a thousand bucks a month. So the guys who spent $50,000 to buy these islands in Second Life ended up being millionaires and they were virtual real estate, you know, entrepreneurs. The same thing is going to happen again. The difference here is the real estate that you purchase in these crypto games are what 
you've probably heard the term, they're called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So it means they're tokens that you only have one of each in existence. And it's basically like a license or a deed. And it says, I am the owner of this. So it's tied to your crypto wallet and you can sell it, you can trade it, you can rent it. There's a whole bunch of things you can do with it. But basically it's like owning real estate in the real world, except it's in the virtual world, but it provides the same benefits and it doesn't have a lot of the detracting elements. So for instance, if you have a building in the virtual world, in one of these games, let's say Decentraland, just to give an example. This is a building that you're going to build. You'll never have any construction costs, right? There's, there's no worry about the price of wood or cement or labor fluctuating or going up in an instance. Like when I bought my home, the price of lumber was shooting through the roof and it increased the cost of my home before I was able to purchase it. So I paid more money because lumber went up. That won't happen in these games. You won't have anyone come along and set your building on fire. You won't have any arson. You don't have to worry about floods. You don't have to worry about earthquakes, right? So all of those risks of owning traditional real estate are now out the window. You don't have to worry about those things. Then on top of that, you have the benefits of smart contracts. So a smart contract, think of a gumball machine, right? You put a quarter in, you turn the knob, a gumball comes out. Um, so there was no interaction with another person in order for you to barter or transact buying that gumball. You just put your quarter in, you turn the dial, the gumball comes out. That's a smart contract. So in the crypto space, you can basically code a contract where one person does this and the result is that. And so two people can do business without ever having to interact with each other. I can set up the price of my real estate in the virtual world and say, I'm selling this home for X, Y, Z amount. And then you come along with your wallet, you connect to it, you say, I want to buy it. You press buy, the transaction passes through and the deed is to passed over to you instantly, pretty much. And now you own that property. And the money that was in your wallet is now transferred to my wallet. That's a smart contract. So that's another thing you can do. So you're eliminating title searches. You're eliminating real estate agents. You're eliminating mortgage brokers. All of those things go away. So all of the red tape and difficulty of transacting real estate that we know today doesn't exist in that way in these spaces because most of it is done through code. Okay. And so... Those are some of the benefits. Now think if you just have a bunch of people playing the game, they're all going to want the same things in the virtual world that they want in the real world. They're going to want to have fashion. They're going to want to have status. They're going to want to have some place for their character to rest its head. They're, going, they're not just going to dwell in a park, right? I mean, I'm sure you'll have some of that, but generally speaking, humans have the desire for status and to show that they've progressed in life. And so they're going to want to accumulate things and real estate is always going to be a thing that humans want to have, whether in the real world or in a virtual world. And the $650,000 yacht in a game is proof of that. And so you'll have a bunch of people renting spaces for their characters within the game. And it'll also be their address and it'll be where they can tell their friends and employers my character lives here. This is my actual address. Um, I believe it's Barbados is going to put the first actual embassy 
into the virtual world. So now you can be anywhere in the world and you can go and renew your Barbados passport if you're in that particular game and you take your character to that virtual Barbados embassy. How crazy is that? Just think about that, that you can buy real estate in the virtual world. You'll probably have anywhere from, you know, 50 to a couple of hundred different metaverses for a couple of decades before it all gets sorted out. And it becomes like we know today, like there's Facebook and then there's, you know, Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, and they pretty much dominate all of the social media space, right? Eventually the metaverse, I think will be the same thing. It'll start out with like a lot of them kind of mom and pop-ish, and then the big conglomerates will come along and kind of absorb those or just wipe them away with marketing and sales and the ability to bring in a crowd because they already have the capital and a crowd, a pre-existing crowd, right? The next thing I want to touch on, because this is also huge, is virtual banking. So if you have ever heard the word DeFi, what it means is decentralized finance. So think of it like Wall Street is centralized finance. It's highly regulated. It's highly concentrated. If you're not part of the club, it's very hard to get into the club. Decentralized finance is the exact opposite. It's trying to make Wall Street detach from being controlled by a small group of people and instead be accessible to the many. And so what does that mean? So for instance, if I go to my bank and I want to wire something, you know, I want to wire some money to the Cayman Islands, let's say, right? First, I have to send the transaction by a certain time in the day. Can't do it on a Saturday. I have to pay a fee to send that money. And I have to be very, very careful in that the wire number that I send it to is the right number. Because if I send that wire transfer to the wrong number, my money's basically lost forever. I might fall upon someone who's honest and decides, hey, I got this money into my account. It was a wire. It was an accident. I'm going to send it back. But that's generally not how that works. So if you wire money to the wrong number, even if you're one digit off, you've lost your money forever. So it's slow, it's expensive, it's restrictive because you can't wire on the weekends, right? It's just not going to happen. And then you have to wait for the banks to approve all of this. And that can take days on your side, then it can take days on the receiving bank side. It's super, super slow and inconvenient. Now let's compare that to purchasing a loan or getting a loan on a crypto platform called Aave. You can go into Aave you can deposit some cryptocurrency and based on how much the cryptocurrency you deposited, they can use it as collateral. And now you can take out a loan against that money. And you can do all of this within like four minutes. You don't have to go to talk to a bank officer. You don't have to show them your credit score. You don't have to show them a letter of employment. You don't have to show them your business records. You don't have to do any of that if you're trying to get a loan, right? You just put in some crypto say, this is what I want to borrow. This is the amount of interest you're going to charge me. And I agree to it. And boom, the money ends up in your wallet. And so that's decentralized banking. And that is going to revolutionize the banking world. Like right now, people don't know what DeFi is. In a few years, everyone's going to know what DeFi is. Here's another one. If you put your money into a savings account right now, they want you to put like usually $1,500 before They'll actually give you any kind of interest. 
And the interest that they will give you usually is like 0.01 to 0.03% annually, which is ridiculous because it means like if you put in a thousand dollars at the end of one year, they'll pay you out 0.01% of that thousand dollars. How, how is that helping anyone? Right. The interest rates are so ridiculously low. You can basically keep your money under the couch and it's almost the same. In comparison, you can take the money that you receive right now, the money you receive from your employer each week or that you're making from your business, whatever your situation may be. You can take that money. You can deposit it from your bank into your Voyager account, into your Gemini account, your Crypto.com account, your Coinbase account, right? And you can purchase USDC coin. The USDC coin, most places are giving you about 10 to 12% on your money if you have it stored as USDC coin. So that means that if you put $1,000 into Coinbase, let's say, you put 1000 bucks into Coinbase at the end of the year, if you didn't touch that $1,000 that you had in USDC coin, it'll be $1,120. So now you made $120 profit on your $1,000 and you didn't do anything except deposit it, transfer it into USDC coin and leave it there for a year. Okay. That's the difference between crypto and traditional banking. And in that same way, you can see the extremes, right? 0.01% versus 12%. That's how everything is going to evolve. That's how it's all taking place. That's why I'm saying you have to start looking forward and stop thinking about maintaining what is. You have to start looking to progress forward because this is where things are going. And if you don't educate yourself and if you don't get up to speed, you're going to miss out on huge opportunities. Lastly, the next thing that I would say I'm very interested in and I know is going to be big is electric vehicles. And you might say, ah, that's a little tat. It's been around for 10 years. Tesla's been doing it for the longest. True. But here's the thing. Tesla had a stock split sometime in 2020. I don't remember exactly when it was. And they split their stock and it was like $450 a share after the split. So if you had Tesla stock before the split, they split that one stock you had into, I believe it was four or five separate stocks because Tesla stock was like at 2000. So yeah, so it was about 2000. And it split and it was five shares, each at about $450. Right now, each of those shares is somewhere in the area of a thousand to eleven hundred bucks each. So that means if you had had one share of Tesla stock in early 2020, it would have been around $2,000. And today it would be something in the area of $5,500, right? And that's where Tesla is right now. We're not even talking about the fact that Tesla is working with the state of Texas to become one of the larger energy suppliers for the state of Texas. And I do believe that eventually Texas will be one of the largest energy suppliers on the American grid. And so if you're holding stock in Tesla, if you're holding stock in Lucid Air or in NEO, these are all electric car companies. These are all advanced technology companies. And not just them, but their suppliers. Who, who makes their windows, right? Who makes the parts for the wheels? Who makes the, the body parts? Who makes all the internal components? 
when you do your research and you find out who these companies are, as this continues to grow, because all these municipalities and all these governments are now saying that they're going to ban combustion engine cars by 2030, by 2035. That means that the production of electric cars is going to have to go through the roof. So if you hold stock in the companies that are creating that, you're going to be doing well because you're going to be riding the wave up. So I hope that this was helpful for you looking forward to the future and looking at opportunities that today sound crazy, but a few years from now, you'll be able to say, yeah, I got in early, bought a bunch of virtual real estate, made a killing, and I don't even have to touch it. I hope that's you. I plan for that to be me. We'll see where it goes. If you have questions or comments, please leave them. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, have a blessed day.